Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Rhino, what in the hell just happened? What just happened? I, I'm, I'm hurting right now. This has been a very rough stretch. Chad, it seems like the train has kind of lost its footing and has just absolutely fallen off the tracks right now. This team is hurting. This team is wounded. And I am concerned that this team season is just about over. We saw one of the best teams in baseball the last week of April and May into June. And then the June swoon where this team was nowhere near 500, lost a whole bunch of, of, of space and actually um, is now looking up at the Brewers who are red hot. We're going to talk about the swoon. We're going to talk about should they be buyers? Should they be sellers? We're going to make the case for both. We're going to talk about what in the world is going on with the bullpen. They seem to be busted. And what are we going to do? Again, we've mentioned this before, but it's even more glaring now. What are we going to do about Jake Arrieta? Yep, all true. But we do have a great guest this week. She is the weekend sports anchor at WLS Channel 7. And you can watch her report during the week. It is Dion Miller. And she is joining us on this episode of The Friendly Confines. So stick around because The Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. Chad, let's start, as we always do, as painful as this may be, the first inning. And they say you can't win divisions in June, but you can certainly lose them. The Cubs have been known for the June swoon, and now they've officially had it in 2021 with a 12-16 record. This was hard to watch, and this has been a rough thud ending to the month. What say you on what we have witnessed over the course of the month of June? Well, when you lose your last six games of a month and the team that you're battling against in the division wins their last, they win their last eight, eight games of the month. Um, that's a net recipe for trouble. This was one of the ugliest stretches in Cubs baseball in recent history, which, you know, goes to show how spoiled we've been since uh, 2015, but it's been historically bad, Ryan. I mean, really, really bad. The team batting average was under 188. It's the worst in any month in any season since 1900. 1900, that was before they started naming World Wars. So before that, they batted 188 in 1944, which was during World War II. It, it's just historically bad. This team looks absolutely lost at the play. And that secret sauce, you know, what held them together, the bullpen in recent days has just fallen apart for this team. Um, got some thoughts on that because it's interesting. You know what else kind of coincided with this bullpen falling apart? Major League Baseball starting to crack down on sticky substance. So I don't know if that's related, but you've got a perfect storm of, of just hapless batters up at the plate, um, record strikeouts. And then you've got a pitching staff that uh, we've already seen the holes in the starting pitching staff, but the, the relief core, um, they have shown their, their true colors, at least in the last few days. It has been a rough, rough go. And it's amazing that we're having this conversation considering they were in first place and had pitched a no hitter against the Dodgers. And then 
here we are talking about a team that now is fallen out of the division league and is trailing the Brewers by, you know, multiple games now as uh, you know, they enter the rest of their week heading into July 12 and 16 record. You mentioned the batting average. You mentioned just on all fronts, this team, it was just bad all around. And I told you when we did our webcast the other day that I can handle a team losing, but I can't handle a team losing when they don't even look competitive. And the Cubs haven't even looked competitive uh, in their last, like, few, you know, games. I mean, they got me choked. having a hard time even, like, talking about them <laughs> because they're just so bad right now. So, for me, um, I, 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 have, uh, I have seen what I need to see because uh, I might be out on the rest of this season with this team. I'm not out yet, uh, but there's more to come uh, as we talk about. Is the team going to be out? So let's move on to the second inning. And if you're on Cubs Twitter, if you're on Chicago Sports Radio, and if you're even reading things like Sports Illustrated, there's a lot of talk now that this might be the time to strike while the the iron is hot. And so, Rhino, I ask you, if you're making the case, because we're going to do the counterpoint in the third inning, but if we're making the case to why this team should sell, why do you think Jed Hoyer should be dealing and wheeling right now? Well, because, and I truly believe it, Chad, this season's over. I, I think this team is done. I think that this team, unfortunately, has shown their true colors. I think that this is a team that has given it all they can. They had a great run in May. Uh, we got a nice surprise and early on in the season, but this team just doesn't have the parts to, you know, put it together to win. We, we've seen what they are now doing against the likes of the Milwaukee Brewers, who they're now three and nine against. And, you know, we saw what they did in Los Angeles. We saw what they did in San Francisco and they just aren't good enough. And the, this team, you mentioned the batting average, you mentioned the players, they're, they're not healthy, they're injured. Um, and the pitching staff is not able to handle all of what they're, you know, being asked to do. So for my money, time to get an opportunity to sell the Bryants and the Kimbrels, maybe even the Baez, try to rebuild the farm system, try to see if we can retool this team. Because I don't think the days of us having to rebuild like 100 lost seasons is necessary, what they need to do. But I think it might be time to uh, potentially look at this team and say, hey, time to sell these guys while we have an opportunity to get something in return. What about you? I disagree with a lot of what you say, and I hope our listeners aren't listening to what you're saying because why would they listen to the rest of the season? It sounds like it's over. We should just hang it up, and we should even stop. I still have hope for a couple reasons. I'm going to tell you why I think they should sell be part of this inning, but here's one reason. Dylan Maples, Justin Steele, Ryan Tempera, Rowan Rick, Trevor Williams, PJ Higgins, Lobaton, Romine, Rizzo, Wisdom, Bodie, Horner, Duffy, Brian, you said this team didn't have the pieces they need. Well, I, I'm here to say everybody's hurt, and I don't know how any team could survive that and weather that. They use magic in But wait, May, you're, but you're June... flip-flopping innings. Why should they sell? Go to sell. No, no, I'm not talking sell. about You just told me that the season's over and it's over. I'm, you're wrong. It's not over. This team does have the pieces. They're all hurt. But the reason they should sell, sell, Ryan, I said I'd get to that. The reason they should sell is because you're never going to get a higher price for Chris Bryant. You're never going to get a higher price for Craig Kimbrell. You're never going to get a higher price for, you know, uh, uh, Wilson Contreras. Um, I'm not sure the price you'd get for a Javi Baez right now. You're never going to get a higher price. 
for Patrick Wisdom. So the reason they should sell is because, like you just said, the Chicago Cubs are a major market. There's no reason they should go through a rebuild. They should do it. it I mean, the Yankees have shown maybe a rebuild with a lot of money doesn't always work because you still may struggle even with a lot of big-name players. So the Cubs have to figure out the blueprint on how to do that. But they should not suffer a 100-loss season anytime. They should reload. They still have had the highest payroll um, in the highest payrolls of all of baseball in the last five, six years. So they should be able to reload. We don't know who's going to be on the team next year, but why should they start the, the fire sale now? Because they're looking rough. They've already sold their tickets this year. Um, they've already, they already know they're taking some losses. People are still going to show up at Wrigley Field. Get your price now for, for uh, Kimbrell. Get your price now for Tempura. Get your price now for uh, Chafe, uh, Chafin and, and Bryant. Do it now and, and see what sort of prospects can start reloading this team and giving some of these young guns who's coming off the IL a chance to shine. All right, so let's move on to the third inning now, and let's talk about why they should keep this team intact and stay the course. Why should they, Chad? You gave some reasons. What are some other reasons why this team should stay the course? That, no, those were my reasons why you should. Those are my reasons why this team is not hopeless and doesn't have the right pieces. They're hurt. The reason they should keep this team together is because last week, we still had a little bit of hope. Last week, we were talking about how this team swept the Mets and the Dodgers and the Padres and the Cardinals. I mean, that all happened in the last month or so, right? So this this season is very streaky. Um, you know, uh, Otani for the Angels, everybody was excited about him starting against the Yankees. He got bounced in an, in an inning and a half. You've got teams... Uh, um, you've got the Astros just got swept by the Baltimore Orioles. Anything can happen in baseball. And just like in this last week, the, the Brewers have won eight straight and the Cubs have lost six straight. This team, if healthy, could actually go on a run. I think you've got the opportunity. You've got a month right now, about a month rather, to see how things shape out, how people come, uh, come back from their injuries, if they can go on any sort of run, if they can figure out the pitching situation, because we know the starting pitching situation is not where it needs to be, and we're going to address that. But if they can get on another run like they did in May, this team could be right back where they were a month from now or a month, month ago and be in contention and be leading this division. All right, so yes, here is the good news. It's a still a season, still several months to play baseball. The month of June was very, very difficult. We both know that. It was probably the hardest month of the season, arguably, for the rest of the year. July lets up a lot better, right? You got the Phillies in town. The Cardinals are in town. You're on the road against Arizona, who's one of the worst teams in baseball. You got the D-backs at home. You go to St. Louis. The Reds obviously are streaky. So there's there's games in there that are going to give you an opportunity to right the ship and get yourself back. You're not always going to be without Anthony Rizzo. Hopefully he comes back. Hopefully Brian can figure out his struggles at the plate along with Baez. And maybe the bullpen can kind of right itself and get healthy again and do that. Sure, there's a long season. And, and like I said, maybe there's an opportunity here to do that. However, the trade deadline is July 31st. So I will say that if the Cubs are not able to straighten things out by July 31st and things are still falling apart into a tailspin, well, then it's going to be a very easy decision. And I've been saying that this entire time, and you know that. We've been talking about that ad nauseum, about the fact we are going to know either way if this team is going to be a buyer or seller. There's not going to be an in-between situation. So let's see if they can straighten themselves out. But I still say at the end of the day, the season, unfortunately, I think is lost, and I, I think it might be time to move on. So let's move on to the fourth inning. And up until – June 20th, the trio of, of uh, Tempera, Chafin, and Kimbrell 
had a 1.82 ERA uh, and was just lights out and was amazing and was really holding this team together. Well, since then, they have, uh, well, let's just say they, they have not the same. They don't look the same. Well, I, I wouldn't know anything about Kimbrell because we're seeing uh, Eric Sogard uh, on, the, on the mound in the ninth inning much more than we've seen Craig. Um, but what is going on with this Cubs bullpen? They have absolutely, I, I don't know if you could say it's just being wear, worn down. They look like a completely different bullpen in the last week. Yeah, well, the game on Wednesday against the Brewers where the Cubs blew a 7 nothing lead and the bullpen just completely fell apart. I- I've never seen a more defeated bullpen. And then if you want to go a day before that into the Monday game, or excuse me, two days before that, where the Cubs bullpen gave up 10 runs in the eighth inning, um, I mean, it-, it was just rough to watch. Th- this, to me, Chad, seems like just unfortunately an overworked bullpen, a bullpen that looked absolutely marvelous in the month of May and they were holding this team together. And I think this is just a situation where they have just been overused. I I think they are just being relied on so much and it was amazing to see how well they were pitching, but I felt like eventually David Ross was just pushing them to a limit that they were unable to basically hold on. And, And unfortunately it seems like the bottom's falling out a little bit with this bullpen because they're just being worked at a level that they've never seen before. So I don't so much blame this bullpen because they just are doing what they need to do. But eventually these arms are getting tired. And, and that's clearly, to me, what I'm seeing from what uh, we've witnessed the last few games. What about you? You know, you're right. They are overtaxed and they have shown different colors. But let's be honest. I mean, how many bullpens are prepared to take over? you know, in the second inning, like Jake Arrieta forced this bullpen to do um, before that historically horrible collapse uh, to close out the series against the Brewers. Uh, Jason Stark shared from the Elias Sports Bureau record seven plus rooms in the first inning from 1900 until two, uh, till Tuesday. Um, they were 608 and 25 on Wednesday. They are 0 and two. So two different teams were up seven and up losing the game. So baseball is very weird, but this was not one of those weird things. This was a trend that the Cubs and, uh, have been struggling with. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier in one of the earlier other other innings. There has been a dramatic change in the effectiveness of some of the Cubs pitching with the, the, the crackdown on and the, the checking of gloves and hats and belts. That's just true. And we're seeing that we're seeing velocity down in a lot of different pitchers. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, we're, we're seeing mechanics are different now because they've got to throw in a different way. That is affecting things and it's affecting things across baseball. In fact, if you look, if you look at batting averages and if you look at uh, run scoring, it's up since this happened, which is, I think was what major league baseball wanted to do, but what's going on with the Cubs right now, just an absolute implosion. And you hope they can write the ship somehow, some way. All right, so to the fifth inning we go, and Jake Arrieta, the struggles continue. You mentioned the outing he had the other day against the Brewers. Didn't even last two innings. And now, as of today, his ERA is 557, Chad. Five and eight record, uh, 72 innings, 80 hits given up, 16 home runs. It's, uh, It's rough, and it is hard to see somebody who is so beloved in Jake Arrieta pitching so badly. I guess the question now becomes once, you know, Williams comes back from his injury, is it time to maybe decide to pull the plug on the Jake Arrieta experiment and maybe decide to designate him for assignment? What, what is your thought on that? 
I mean, I, I, it's, you don't ever want to see your heroes or the ones that, that you followed and you idolized and, and, you know, we're grown men talking about grown men here, but you, you never want to see the players that were the best at their game show the flaws. And I'm at the point now with Jake, there's nothing that's telling me that this is a stretch. There's nothing that te- it's telling me that he's going to work himself out of this funk. There's nothing that's telling me that it's going to get better from here. Um, he, they, if you, if you look at Jake's numbers and, and, and his, you know, all of the peripherals from, from exit velocity to hard hit balls to batting average balls in play, you know, the, in that first inning, when he, he walked in runs and walked so many and gave up the hits and gave, you know, you know, just really started that, that, that colossal collapse on, uh, on, on uh, Wednesday, uh, the balls that were, that were hit um, had an expected batting average of 800. In other words, everybody was squaring them up. Everybody was putting it into play. Um, they were putting it exactly where they wanted to. I mentioned that when I saw him start that Saturday game against the Marlins at Wrigley Field, he just had nothing to it. Nobody was fooled, and anybody that was patient was able to drive the ball really effectively. I hate to say it, but at the, at the very least, I think we need to see Jake put on the IL and with one of those phantom injuries and see if he can work this out. Um, or they need to do a next man up mentality once some of these guys get healthy or just bring up one of the AAA guys and just try something new and let him skip a start to see what happens. The all-star break is coming up. Maybe that's an opportunity, but I think he's, he's older. He's tired. He's not the Jake we knew, but then again, who nobody was that superhero that we saw in, in, in 15 and 16. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're going on, you know, six years ago that we're talking about how Jake Arrieta was back then. He was a different player. He was 29 years old. He's 35 now. And, well, in real time, that's not an old age, but in baseball years, it's old. And he's not the same pitcher that he was. And clearly, he is not the type of pitcher that the Cubs thought they were getting. He, he has had outings early on where he looked good, but it might be time to pull the plug, as you said. I mean, there's really not much else to say. He can't go long. He's taxing the bullpen. When Trevor Williams comes back, maybe it's an opportunity, like you said, to put him on the IL or have him work out some mills in the rotation after that as well. Because unfortunately, Jake Arrieta is doing more to hurt this team than he is to help this team. And and that's an unfortunate thing to say because I wanted to see him succeed, but it has not been a good thing to watch, uh, see how debilitating he has been over the past uh, few weeks in his starts. So let's move on to the sixth inning. And, you know, it is not that big of a deal in the scheme of things because it's it's fan voting. And sometimes a, a name can just get drugged through the all-star uh, process and, and get a couple more starts than really necessary. It doesn't honor the game. Um, but with social media, maybe that's changing right now. I will tell you, in uh, 2016, it was exhilarating as a Cubs fan to be there at Petco Park and see – um, four Cubs starting in the infield, knowing that Fowler was going to start in center field because they were the best team in baseball, and it was kind of kind of uh, uh, necessary. But uh, we've got uh, you know we've got the uh, All Star Game starters getting revealed tonight. Um, so this is going to be not quite dated when we air this, but I'll, I'll share with you, Ryan. What do you think about the finalists? We've got five of them. Which of these guys deserve to be on this team, and what's your thoughts on them even being in the running right now with how they played? <laughs> well, who I at the time, you know, Chris Bryant seemed like the obvious guy to start at third base, and and maybe he still does based on kind of the 
start to the season he's had. But after him, I mean, I think we're really just going on names. And the finalists, you know, were Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras, Javi Baez, and Jack Peterson. But of those five, I, I really just think Bryant is the one that deserves to out of everybody. Maybe Wilson, but not that Wilson is overwhelming in any way this year as a catcher. Um, it might be more because there's really just not a lot of great catchers and Buster Posey is, you know, hurt right now who, who probably deserves it overall. But yeah, I mean, for me, um, you know, after the start that we saw with Brian, he's probably the one, but unfortunately after the month of June, I, now I sit there and wonder if, if it ultimately is uh, something he should be, you know, in the lineup for, but ultimately I do think Brian will be the guy. And then the others, I don't even think make the team, but it, still shows the popularity of this Cubs team and kind of where they stand when it comes to fans and, and how beloved they are. What about you? I'm going to go quickly through the list and, and say who should be in. And Buster Posey, based on everything I've seen and the fact that him and Brandon Crawford have just been leading the Giants so quietly to the best record in baseball, that's your catching starter. Um, Yadier Molina has no business in there. He's got name recognition. He's got a Cardinal Nation that's going to you know vote for him forever because they have such a chip on the shoulder. Wilson Contreras does not des- deserve the start. He's not um, put up the numbers. He's not done it defensively. He's struggling. And who knows if, if how much he's hurt. A- Anthony Rizzo has no business um, at first base. He absolutely doesn't. Um, again, this is a fan ballot. Second base, um, I like what I saw in Gavin Lux. Um, although Ozzy Albers, um, Albies rather from the Braves, uh, has really impressed me as well. Fernando Tatis Jr., if he doesn't start, if they don't put him in right now, they're fools. Javi Baez, again, um, should not be on there. Brandon Crawford, I think, has had a bigger impact. Third base has to be Chris Bryant, but it's not really for third base. It's the fact that it should be like just an all-star team of every position he's played until he got hit on the thumb and he has had some lingering issues related to that. He was the best team in baseball and my MVP candidate. Jock Peterson being in the outfield makes no sense whatsoever. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We have a fantastic guest this week. We have fantastic guests every week, and this one is no exception. She's the sports anchor and a reporter at ABC7 News in Chicago. She is also on Twitter. You can find her at DMillerABC7. It is our pleasure to welcome Dion Miller to the podcast. Hey, Dion, welcome to the seventh inning stretch of the Friendly Confines. How are you? I am great as long as you don't make me sing anything. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm happy to fill the stretch with words, but not my voice. <laughs> I always I always tell our guests if they have the option of singing if they like, totally up to <laughs> no, them. Thank <laughs> no, thank you. I am good with just talking. I, I totally point. understand. Well, there's <laughs> definitely a lot to talk about with this Chicago Cubs team right now. I wish it was better because as yeah. somebody who's a diehard Cubs fan right now, I'm feeling kind of down, Dion. I, I guess the I'll just go right to it. You're looking at the Chicago Cubs ball club. Is it time to pull the plug on the season right now if, if you're looking at this team from a whole? Uh, you know, a week ago, can you believe you're saying this? I mean, a week ago, they were no hitting the Dodgers and they haven't won since. And and it's weird and it's bizarre. And I was struck last night after they lost to the Brewers again in a close game where they left a lot of guys on base and and Javi swinging for the fences and missing everything. And it's just and, and Rizzo and Bryant are on uh, on the bench, both of them not well. And the way that David Ross even answered that question was really hemming and hawing. And it's like, What's, what's, what's going on here? Like this, uh, you know, last week, literally seven days ago, 
all anybody was talking about is, well, this is Jed Hoyer's worst nightmare. The Cubs are really good, and now he can't blow it up. And now here we sit, you're thinking, you got to do something because this is not working. And that's really disheartening for, obviously, diehard fans, but for this franchise that was right there. And with each day, they're falling further and further behind. And blowing it all up seems more of a reality than just some sort of topic of conversation. Yeah, it certainly is. So let's let's go there. I guess if you're Jed Hoyer, what's the first move you make right now at this point? Is it Craig Kimbrell? Do you start mm -hmm. to shop Chris Bryan? I, I know we still have some time with the trading deadline, obviously, and probably another month. But are we starting to kind of maybe get in that mode and think to ourselves, all right, who are the parts that we ultimately think will be dealt first if they do decide to uh, be sellers? Well, I would think you would have to start with Chris Bryant because of, uh, but the price tag is so high for him and, and well-deserved, but does somebody want him for just a small amount of time? And then how that all figures in, I would think he would be top priority just because of what you could get in return, especially because of the way he's been playing I, more so than even Rizzo, because Rizzo's back is always questionable. And he, he, I think he, I hope he doesn't regret turning down whatever 70 million or whatever they are. I hope he doesn't regret that because I think that's probably what he's going to end up getting no matter what. And so I hope he doesn't regret that. And it's disappointing. They can't shop Javi because he's just not the player he wants, he wants to be, or we know he is. And so I feel like it has to start with Chris and then possibly Kimbrel. I mean, it's been, he's been so good. Uh, I, I feel like I'm over the Jake Arietta experiment like that. That was a fun time, but now he needs to go on the IL because he can't quite get right. And, and they just have such, such inconsistency on the mound. I feel like if you could get Kimbrough gone and, and bring back some arms that would help solidify that rotation a little bit more, I think that would be a positive step forward. So I would say Kimbrough Bryant, th those are probably the two highest ticket items right now that Jed Hoyer is probably picking up the phone for, at least I would assume. Yeah. So let me try to be optimistic for a second. Then maybe we can go back to the kind of the realism of the situation. There could be a scenario where this team maybe writes itself. Obviously, it's a long season. We know we're in June right now. But is this team more of the team that we saw maybe uh, now? Or is this more of the team that we saw potentially in May? And maybe they can straighten themselves out. Where, where do you stand on that? Well, you know, what's funny is that we don't know and we're like halfway through the season and it's still, and, and it's still, I mean, obviously every team can, you know, go either way, but you feel like this group is teetering on the brink of just absolute downfall or mediocrity. There's not this like clear cut direction that they could go in. And that is, I think, disappointing as well, especially for how well they played in May and even the position that they were in coming out of LA. I mean, those, those weren't, you know, they were in the games, I guess you could say so, but gosh, giving up 10 runs in the eighth inning to Milwaukee is not, is not divisional baseball the way the Cubs want to be playing. And then not being able to get runs across, not being able to manufacture their offense. I understand that they're, I guess, shorthanded, you would call it, but it, it, it's scary to think that this, I don't see them pulling the brakes on this as quickly as they've done in the past, because you, you go back to pitching because of pitching, like it's only as good as the next day's pitcher and gosh, love Zach Davies for his efforts last week, but that was a team effort. It wasn't just him. And so, and, and what we saw last night was just kind of the same, more of the same from him. Right. So, so we don't know what I, they could obviously write themselves. They are on June has been not nice to them schedule wise. They are on this crazy long road trip. Ian Happ said the other day, I don't remember traveling in daylight. Okay. So they've, they've been flying in in the middle of the night and playing night games and, and all of the things. And so you have to give some caveat to that because they're human, but at the same time, you wonder if coming home, 
and having more home games in the latter part of the season will help them write it out. It is such a long season, but I, five straight losses is telling. I mean, that that's something that's going to, that's going to cost you. I feel like in the end, this bullpen was so great for so yeah. long, but are we starting to maybe see some cracks because they've been used a little too much in your opinion? They've had to be, they've had to be. And, and I just, it's interesting, you know, Tapera falls apart and he, is now on IL and they're, they're just, I feel like they're shuffling bodies right now. Again, a week after they combined to throw a no hitter. And so I hope that they're not being overreactionary, but at the same time, they are being used a lot. They're being called on earlier and earlier. And, and with, with, even with Hendricks, even, you know, and, and Jake, obviously we already touched on that. And so, so I think that is why the bullpen has shown some cracks is just because of overuse and you can't blame them. Now, in light of that, Kimbrell's, ERA and the way he's performed has been outstanding. I mean, that's what they paid for last year. That's what they paid for when they got him. This is what they wanted. So you have to give credit where it's due at the back end, but he can't do it by himself and they can't rely on him too much. And so, so I, I feel like that's probably, you're, you're exactly right. That overuse is probably a, the biggest reason that they're struggling and there's some inconsistency there. So hindsight's always uh, 2020, of course, but I'm sure there's lots of Cub fans, including myself, that are looking at what Kyle Schwarber's doing in Washington right now <laughs> and just saying to themselves, did we maybe get rid of him a little too early? I know it's easy to be an armchair quarterback now, but man, couldn't the Cubs use Kyle Schwarber's bat right now, in your opinion? Oh, and what's amazing is how many leadoff homers he's hit, right? And we the Cubs tried to make him a leadoff guy and he couldn't do it. And now he's it's otherworldly what he's doing. I've never seen anything like it. It's ridiculous. It's like every time he comes to the plate, he's, he hits one out. And I don't know if that's just that he's found a place that works, that he's he's just in a different groove because he's matured or whatever. I'm not sure. But you do have you have to look back and wonder, did they get rid of him too soon? I'm still mad they got, got rid of Nick Castellanos. I, I mean, another guy who's consistent, who's just that that kind of character that they always talk about the Cub way. I felt like he fit so well in that clubhouse. And so I'm still upset that they didn't bring him back. And and I guess you could look at anything like that. I, I grew up in, I mean, Ryan, I grew up in Cleveland. I grew up an Indians fan and a Browns fan. We are notorious for watching people leave our city and excel to heights that no one ever imagined. So I know that Cubs fans understand this too, that that often does happen. And then, then there is some regret. And it's also easy to look back when your team is struggling the way that they are offensively. I mean, it's just, it, and to see, I guess I, I'm more disappointed that we haven't seen the progress with the Cubs that you would want to see Ian Happ gosh, I love him to death, but he just can't get right off and can't get consistent offensively. And Javi, we already touched on is so inconsistent. And I feel like every time he comes to the plate, he is swinging for Fernando Tatis money, right? Like that's what he's swinging for every single time. It's like, just, just hit the ball, just make contact. We don't, you don't need to be the superstar right now. Just hit the ball, move the runner. It's manufacture the offense, you know? And so I think that's why what Schwarber's doing looks so grand and enticing because the Cubs in their reality right now are struggling so much. You know, it's so funny you bring up, and I think in this world we live in with Twitter, where there's so many people that don't remember this, but I'm of a certain age where I remember the whole ex-Cub factor, the Joe Carters, the Raphael Palmeros, <laughs> the Rick Russells. I mean, I remember being able to put together a roster on paper that had all these ex-Cubs that basically went on to bigger and better things once they left the Cubs. So to me, this is something that I'm used to. I think if you're in the age <laughs> bracket of born, you know, in the 19 late 1980s or 1990s you're probably not used to this as a Cubs fan this is something I'm well used to seeing this uh, unfold over the many years I've been a Cubs fan 
Well, you mentioned Joe Carter. I mean, the Indians benefited from Joe Carter. So that was actually, we, we appreciated that. He was one of my favorite players growing up. <laughs> right. so funny, But you're right. It is. It's it, if you're older and you remember that that pattern, this isn't surprising, right? That Schwarber would go somewhere else and excel as he has. And, and to be on a team with Davey Martinez and, you know, all these ex Cubs and to feel comfortable being there with John Lester and, and, and feel, I think there's a comfort level too, that maybe he's just found his groove in the moment. Um, it's, it's been fun to watch. That's for sure. And good for him. And once again, our thanks to Dion Miller of ABC seven Chicago, really great of her to join us on the program. And, uh, of course you can watch her on ABC channel seven during the week and on the weekends. So be sure to check her out there. Now you can find Chad and I, we are on social media. You can find me. I, I am at Ryan D Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. And we also have a website, theconfines.com. That's right, theconfines.com. If you go there, you can sign up for our newsletter and it delivers our newest episode of our podcast. So please be sure to sign up, get that today and be a part of the Confines Network. And as well, we have our Facebook page. It's the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We would love for you to join and be a part of the conversation as we enter the eighth inning. And as a note, do not listen to Ryan. The season's not over. We would like you to continue listening to us. Don't throw in the towel on this team. It is just July 1st. I mean, we do, a, we do a show in the offseason. People still listen. Come on now. You know. I, I know, but there's hope in the offseason. And your inning made it sound very hopeless. And I got to tell you, I got to hold on to hope as a season ticket holder, as a guy that has like plans to see five games. <laughs> well, you got to sell tickets. You got to sell oh, tickets. Still oh, no, no. Believe, believe it or not, I have five five games left. I have five. My, these tickets have sold. These tickets are solid. I have five. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. It really isn't a selfish thing. I just want to have a reason to enjoy the summer. And Pat Hughes in my ear with hope in a game is, is reason. And if all of a sudden it's going to be a whole bunch of prospects, that's fine. Give me some hope there. But don't trot out Eric Sogard every night and make me want, you know, make me want to slip my wrists. I mean, that's just yeah. not fun baseball. So speaking of not fun baseball, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of not fun baseball, uh, I love this because you think about some of the headlines this year as we move on to the eighth inning. God, what are some of your regrets, Ryan, this year? Um, could it be uh, uh, giving away one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and you, Darvish? And, and oh, by the way, a really good backup that's actually kind of the starting catcher in a lot of cases uh, um, for the Padres, which are doing pretty good in, in Victor Carantini. Or, or would it be not making the move to, to, to keep uh, um, Nick Castellanos on the team when he said he wanted to be in Chicago and he would be in a good fit where he's like an MVP candidate right now and just destroying the ball? Or, or uh, gosh, is Kyle Schwarber, I don't know if I'm saying the name right. Kyle Schwarber, the guy that has made history being Babe Ruth in one month doing things never been it up. And we don't want to talk about this season because that's just rubbing salt in the wound we've already done. So Ron, I'll pose this question to you in this fun eighth inning. Who are the some of the Cubs X factors that when you look back to you cringe, you cry, you go, Oh, why did we let him go? You know, there's so many, Chad, and so many that have gone on to lead teams to the World Series and, you know, have been uh, perennial all-stars and all of famers. But for me, I, I have kind of a top three or four list of guys that I think about when it's all said and done. So in, in no particular order, Chad, I'm going to start with number one, Dennis Eckersley, guy who probably you don't really think of as a Chicago Cub. He was only on the team for maybe three or four seasons but once Eckersley left the Cubs because the Cubs had nothing they could do with him when he was a starter 
Yeah, Tony LaRusa decided to turn him into a reliever when he was with the Oakland A's. He only went on to become arguably the greatest closer of all time. But the Cubs couldn't figure that out, Chad. They didn't know that Dennis Eckersley could one day become the greatest closer. They just thought he was a washed-up starter and he was never going to play again. So Dennis Eckersley's on that list. How about Raphael Palmero? Now, I know that you know people probably think of Raphael Palmero from Congress pointing his finger and the whole steroids thing, but don't take away the fact that Raphael Palmero had, or, you know, he did have a Hall of Fame career. He may not be in the Hall of Fame, but the man hit the ball with such intensity and was one of the greatest players ever in the 1990s and 2000s when he played with the Orioles and the Rangers. So Rafi Palmero is definitely on that list as well. And how about somebody like Greg Maddox, Chad? I, we, we saw with that Greg Maddox, he had won the Cy Young with the Cubs. And then, of course, the Cubs just let him go, and he went on to become arguably the greatest pitcher of his generation with the Atlanta Braves. And, and last but not least, I'm going to throw a kind of a curveball in here. How about somebody like Joe Carter? Now, Joe Carter was in the trade for Rick Sutcliffe back in 84, but Joe Carter went on to be one of the best power hitters in the game, led the Blue Jays to the world. Home run in 1993 for the Blue Jays off of another ex-Cub, Mitch Williams, for the Philadelphia Phillies. So you see how the ex-Cub factor plays such a role in, in so many ways. But those were just some of the people that came to mind when I think of what could have been on the north side of Chicago. What about you? Well, I, uh, I'm just going to keep it a short list because I felt like you, you covered a lot of good ones. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir controversy. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast. So if you're a new listener, it might be new to you. And I hope it ticks you off because I'm right. And you're probably wrong if it ticks you off. Greg Maddox's flag and his number should not be up hanging above Wrigley Field. To me, it is the biggest slap in the face to true Cubs fans. And it's the biggest, you know, monument to the Tribune company and how pathetic they were as stewards of this team. The only 31 that should be hanging above Wrigley Field is the one that's going to be getting a statue here very soon in Ferguson Jenkins. Um, Greg Maddox is an Atlanta Brave. Greg Maddox is a Hall of Famer with the Atlanta Brave. Greg Maddox started to show his brilliance and the Cubs immediately let him go. And then right when they knew they could sell some tickets at the very end during a rough stretch where the team was performing a little bit, they brought him in almost like they did with Jake Arrieta to sell some T-shirts and sell some jerseys and get some goodwill. Greg Maddox to me is, is the most, I mean, imagine this team. Could you build around a contender? Could you build around a, a, a potential pennant winner? Would this streak have gone, you know, from – from 1908 to 2016, if Greg Maddox had never left the pinstripes of the Chicago Cubs, it's frustrating me now. It'll always be frustrating. And every time I see 31 Maddox hanging, ticks me off. All right. So let us move on now. Last but not least, to the ninth inning, Chad. And on July 1st, it is what is aptly known as Bobby Bonilla Day. It is the day when the New York Mets, because of an annuity payment that they owe him, he gets paid $1.19 million till the year 2035. It is one of the greatest contracts for a player, one of the worst contracts for a team. But, man, everybody knows it's Bobby Bonilla Day on July 1st. So, Chad, the Cubs have had some pretty wretched contracts in their franchise history. I ask you, what is the worst contract that this team has ever given a player, in your opinion? It's the coolest thing, and I love that the new ownership of the Mets are actually going to make it a thing. They're actually going to oh, yeah. celebrate. 
they're going to make it a thing and they're going to have uh, they're going to they're, they're going to rent a suite and like you stay out there Bobby's suite they're working through Airbnb they're doing all these cross promotions it should be done it is ridiculous he, it's not the only one there's a lot of other contracts if you dig into there's a lot of contracts like this and Bobby actually has a couple contracts just like that with a couple other teams he whoever was advising him financially smart guy i mean he parlayed what would have been i think 5 million around there to 20 years of about 1.7 1.8 the interest continues to grow so good on him you know it's a simple answer for me because it's the one that's right in front of us it's the glaring issue that has held this team back since 2017 since 2018 really when you realize what you had in right field and jason hayward one of the worst contracts ever ever signed in 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 chicago cubs history mainly because it is hamstrung the ability like look at this team right now everybody was like well jason's coming back well uh uh-oh jason's coming back because you have to slot him in there you can't pay a guy 23 million dollars and have him pinch hit when he's not even an effective pinch hitter you have to have him out there and there was a time where this offense was strong enough and was hitting enough um uh home runs and generating enough runs that you could have his routine chopper um to the right side of the field and get away with it because he took over a, a bigger portion of the outfield, which took a lot of pressure off of uh, ultimately at the time, Kyle Schwarber, you kind of pushed Albert over and everything worked out. But now, even now his defense is not above average um, at a high margin. So that contract has kept Patrick wisdom out of the lineup when he was super hot. He's not hot anymore because they took him out. Um, It kept Chris Bryant out of right field, which gave a lot of flexibility with the guys. Um, The injuries obviously has had an effect on it, but if Jason Hayward, if somebody could just unload his contract and do a swap for somebody that could be just a serviceable face that could come in and be a pinch hitter or maybe just a cleanup guy in the bullpen, I would take that deal right now. The Cubs cannot bench him because they've got a couple more years left on this contract through 23. And for me, that is the biggest mistake of the Theo Epstein era. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. The Hayward deal is the worst contract in the history of this franchise. There is no doubt about that. Uh, I'm just going to give you a little other uh, tidbits of bad contracts this team has given out over the years. How about to Milton Bradley, Chad? Three years, $30 million. Or how about Todd Hundley? Four years, $23.5 million. Um, Oh, let's not forget a a great deal that they gave Danny Jackson of four years, $10.5 million back in the early 90s, which was a lot of money back then. And, of course, your guy, Edwin Jackson, four years, $52 million. So there have been some really bad ones. Here's, here's a good one. Kusuke Fukudome, four years, $48 million. I remember everybody couldn't wait to get rid of Fukudome when he was on the team as well. So, yes, you're 100% right when you say Hayward is number one. But uh, there definitely have been some really bad ones over the years. That's for sure. So with that, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, our thanks to Dion Miller of ABC7 Chicago. For Chad, I'll talk to you all next week, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a The first time you walk into 